You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. All right, let's get to God's Word and let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we'll be looking at verses 26 to 38. Hey, loved ones, it's December. Hard to believe, isn't it? It's December, and that means we're heading off to Bethlehem. We're going to head off to Bethlehem. And why are we doing that? Because we're seeking some good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. Hey, quick survey. All in favor of good news? Okay, good, good. You got some right here. And, and, and all in favor of some joy. And, and listen, amen, amen. And listen, not just like uh, kind of, I read this morning, not just some kind of halfway joy. Uh, not just some mediocre joy. Uh, there's, this, is, this is being delivered some, some good news of, tell me, Great joy, great joy. A few people here at the front got it. Let's do that as a church. Good news of great joy, great joy. Now, loved ones, here's the prayer, okay? So I got in my chair this morning, and I began the Advent season. I have to admit, like, I'm a, I'm a Christmas guy. I pray for the right reasons. It's been a little slower this year. I just had kind of, you know, I feel the heart a little bit turning, some different distractions or whatever. I got in my chair, though. Today, and my Bible and coffee was there. The Christmas tree lights was on. I'm really excited about that. And I, I had about three or four Advent devotionals beside me. And I started to read those. And just to understand, to listen, the opportunity for joy now. But listen, the opportunity for great joy really, really comes down to a place of faith right now. Do you believe that the Lord God Almighty, by the power of Holy Spirit, can fill you with a great joy this season? Like, do you believe despite your circumstances and despite your heartache and despite the pain you might be in and despite the, the different maybe sad news or hard news you've received, do you believe that in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of his incarnation and what he has come to bring, that you and your life and this church can be filled by supernatural means of the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you believe that you could know once again a joy, a joy inexpressible, a joy unspeakable, listen, a great joy found in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Because I'm telling you, the Lord does. And I'm starting to. I'm starting to believe that in a serious way. There is no joy like the Jesus joy that we can have as we set our gaze upon him. And a little bit of faith will take you and I so far. And so I'm, I'm just, I implore you, I implore you. This is not phrases of cliches that we've heard all of our lives. This is an invitation from God Almighty. I'm tempted right now to walk down the aisle and try to look every person right in the eyes. And just to plead with you, if we all pray for this kind of joy together, and we ask and we seek and we knock, I'm telling you, I believe it's going to happen. It might happen when you don't expect it. It might happen when you are longing for it in that moment. It might happen when you're by yourself. It might happen when you're with your family. It might happen in this setting right here. I'm just telling you, if all of us sincerely seek and pray for the joy that is so great, the joy that can't be understood by the world. If we all seek that together, I believe in this series and at this time, we will know the good news of great joy. Do it, Holy Spirit. Amen, church. Amen. Fill us, Lord. Change our lives and satisfy us with you alone. Every year at Christmas, lives are eternally changed. Eternally changed forever. Many, many people go from death to life right here in this room or through the ministry of the people of this church. And every year, uh, souls of believers are awakened again to the reality of the glory of the incarnation in Jesus Christ. So why not you? 
and why not me right now? Here's our sermon title for this weekend. It's this. Good news, here's the plan. Good news, here's the plan for this great joy, and here's the plan how this good news is going to come upon us. Christmas is ultimately, think of this, right? I, just, I love big picture stuff, right? Christmas is ultimately the plan of God coming together. Think about that. Before the foundations of the world, God knew in his perfect sovereignty and his ability to know all things about everything, he knew what his plan would be before you and I were even a thought. Before the foundations of the world, God knew of his plan. Christmas is the initiation of this plan that was devised before the world was even formed. The plan of rescuing humans from their sin. The plan of sending his love to earth in the form of his son. The plan of sending light to destroy the darkness. It's a good spot for an amen. Christmas, when seen with eyes of faith, is one of those moments when you say, I love it when a plan comes together. I love that saying, by the way. I, I love, like, in life, when you plan something and you kind of work hard at it, and it comes, I love sitting back, oh, man, I love it when a plan comes together, okay? How much did God say that in infinity as he watched his son come down to earth and the way the plan unfolds exactly as God decides and says, I love it when a plan comes together. That's Christmas, Christmas under the sovereignty of God. And the reason we are here now, 2,000 years later, against all odds, against any human explanation, can be, how is it possible that we are gathering here in a continent that wasn't even known it existed? In a nation that wasn't formed until 1850 years later? Living in this time, in this place, so far away from where Jesus originated and was sent. And here we are, 2,000 years later, alive in Jesus Christ, filled with the Spirit. We are here because God had a plan, and he sent his Son forth, and the world will never be the same again. It just fills you with faith to just even think about that much right now. That's the glory and the awesome reality of Christmas. I haven't even got to point one yet, I'm so excited. I mean, this is just the reality of what God does and in his word. So this plan is going to end up in Bethlehem, and at least in, in our series, but our first stop is Nazareth. Now we got ready for point one. Point one is this, ready? God's plan is sent. God's plan is sent. Be ready. Be ready. Look at verse 26, chapter one of Luke. I just love Luke's gospel so much. I love the whole thing. It's like a favorite of mine. In Luke 1, verse 26, in the sixth month, that's of um, Elizabeth's pregnancy, carrying over from verses 24 and 25. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. Let's just stop there for a second. I love the phrase in verse 26. See that? Sent from God. Sent from God. That's an absolutely loaded statement. Think about that. Gabriel was sent from God. Now, now remember, at the time of the incarnation, which is Jesus taking on human flesh, the waiting, the longing, the hoping. Listen, the silence, though, 
400 years from Malachi, God was silent. Four centuries of silence on behalf of God. And then consider here in Luke 1, we see the initiation of God's plan of redemption to save the world from its sins. Think of how much of Scripture surrounds and points to this point right here of the plan of God taking action on earth. Now let's look at one example. Genesis 3, verse 15. This is called the Proto-Evangelium. A fancy word that means first gospel. The first time the gospel appears in Scripture occurs in the first book of Scripture in the third chapter where it says this, God speaking again in the context of the, of the conflict between Satan and Eve, Satan, Adam, and Eve, and of course representing Satan and Christ. God says, I will put enmity, conflict between you, Satan. By the way, aren't you thankful for our graphics art people? I just love this slide. This slide just makes me feel warm and fuzzy. I just, like, I love it. It's so pretty, and it's so powerful, and so effective. And notice, God's word's awesome. I will put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, okay, and between your offspring and her offspring. Now, this then is, is relating to the hostility that will exist between Satan and Christ until finally Satan is dealt with when Jesus Christ returns for a second time. Notice, he, Christ, shall bruise. So here comes the first gospel right here, okay? This is the prophecy, again, from the first book, pointing ahead to thousands of years later, Christ shall bruise the head. We'll get to that in a second. Notice, and but Satan, you shall bruise his heel. And what does that mean? Well, bruise his heel means that this is the result of the crucifixion, that man in their sinfulness and Satan and his cackling demons, they think they've won. They see Jesus die on the cross. But of course, we know this is not his ultimate defeat. This is under the plan of God. But the, the real prophecy comes then, but Christ shall bruise or crush the head of Satan because he dies, but he doesn't stay dead. He is raised from the dead. Genesis 3.15 is the first mention of the gospel that points to the plan of God that takes action now in Luke's gospel with the annunciation that Christ is about to be born. How awesome is God's word? It's awesome. Not to mention, as you look at the rest of the Old Testament, approximately, ready, 350 prophecies concerning the Messiah. 350. All the expectation, all the anticipation, and here it is in our text before us right here. The plan commences, and it goes into action. It's hard to read the Christmas story. You might have read this like I have hundreds of times, but it's hard to really get some context and be like, oh man, that's, that's a bit of a big deal, and it is. Now, I'm not sure how this all happened, but I got to imagine that Gabriel was pretty excited. And God says... All right, go. Go, man, give the news. I mean, he's, he's reverently awaiting the command to go. The God Almighty in his utter holiness, in his infinite love, he says to Gabriel, he says, it's go time. It's go time. Gabriel doesn't need, doesn't need to hear it twice, man. He's boom, off he goes to Nazareth, to the middle of nowhere, to a bunch of nobodies. But the most incredible message the world has ever heard. What I want you to see right now in the story of Christmas itself, the very, the very 
understanding of the incarnation. Notice the mission of God in Christmas. Gabriel was sent from God. Notice the mission of God. The mission of God in the salvation of the world, loved ones. Christmas is mission. It's God's mission for the earth. Now listen, Christmas is mission for us. Gabriel sent from God to declare this news. We now, we now take the reality of Christmas and the gospel and we are sent also. We are sent from God to make disciples of all nations. Christmas time is mission time. That's why we gather to pray on December 22nd. That's why in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our families, and our friends, we take the mission of the gospel surrounded in the opportunity of Christmas and want to be used to shine the light in the darkness. Christmas's mission. Look, look at verse 27. Notice, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph in the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So a virgin named Mary is introduced here. It says she is betrothed to a man named Joseph. Now you should have a footnote beside the word betrothed in your Bible. And if you have it like in my Bible, it says um, they were legally pledged to be married. So it's helpful to know the understanding behind the Jewish engagement, okay? The Jewish engagement and Jewish marriage, it had two stages. The first stage of a Jewish marriage was the stage of engagement or betrothal. Um, this involved a witness and an agreement to marry and the exchange of a bride price. So at this point in the text, Mary would legally belong to Joseph. Uh, she would be referred to as his wife. The second stage of marriage that would occur about approximately a year later was when the marriage ceremony would actually take place. This is when the husband would actually go take his wife and then take her home where they would live together and then start their life together officially. All of this sets up verse 28. And he came to her, Gabriel, and said, Greetings, O favored one. Just think of how you respond if you were married to that. Hey, what's up, Mary? I mean, greetings has a flavor sometimes. of It's, a, it's kind of a casual greeting. Maybe Gabriel's kind of tiptoeing in. Do you want to scare her? You ever find that with people? You can sing up beside someone. You're trying to like kind of, I'm here. I don't want to scare you. Everyone else do that. But here's Gabriel. He walks in. And he's just like, greetings, Mary. Favored one. The Lord is with you. Again, Gabriel must have been pretty excited. Here's what I want us to see about God's plan of redemption in verse 28. Notice this. It's an extraordinary God working with ordinary people. I'll say that again. It's an extraordinary God working with ordinary people. You say, why do you say that? Well, notice this message came at a time. Verse 26, the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Notice this message came at a place, Nazareth. Now, Nazareth, okay, Nazareth at best was a plain town. Probably a lot worse than that. Remember Nathaniel? Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And just trashing Nazareth. Really, the, the way Nazareth was thought of compared to other parts of Judea and especially Jerusalem, I mean, Nazareth was a small, obscure, and not regarded highly town. I think it's safe to say that Nazareth was the armpit of Israel. No, it was. Like, really, if you really study in the commentaries and figure out, it's like it was, it was, it was held in very low regard. You probably were embarrassed in some ways if you came from this region compared to other regions. But this message came a time and a place, and notice it came to a person. 
came to people, Mary and Joseph specifically. And watch this, ready? Normal people doing their duty, going about life, trying to be faithful. And Gabriel says, greetings, O favorite one, the Lord is with you. You know, Martin Luther points out this. He says, the Lord could have easily have gone to the daughter of the high priest in all her fancy clothing, and all her riches, in all her prominence, and all her... And that would kind of make sense, right? If you're going to announce the birth of the Son of God coming to earth, you find the most important person that you can, the most important woman in this case, and you announce to her in all her kind of glory that you're going to use her. The Lord doesn't do that. He, he chooses a lowly, really a peasant girl, a teenage, young teenage, probably between 12 and 14 years old. Very poor peasant girl from a very lowly town. Think of what we learn about God and his plan at this first Christmas. Think of what God is impressed with. He's not impressed with what the world is impressed with. He's impressed with the heart that wants to be used by him. Notice then how much the Christmas story is dripping with grace Greetings, O favor, when the Lord is with you. Much has been made of this verse, much by the Catholic Church. Hail Mary, full of grace. Okay, Let's just get one thing straight, okay? It is not wrong to honor Mary in terms of she was set apart in a special way. After all, Elizabeth says in verse 43 of chapter 1, uh, Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? All right, so listen to that. There's one woman in the history of the world, one woman out of the billions and billions of women who've ever lived and been born, and Mary is the one that is allowed to carry in her womb the Son of God. I mean, that's a pretty special honor, right? She says in her Magnificat, which we'll get to in this series, Lord willing, can't wait, pretty exciting. She says, now all generations shall call me blessed. Yes, Mary, that's, that's a good word. Because you are blessed in sense you were carrying around in your womb, again, Jesus, the Son of God. Boom, right? That hurts your mind. However, what we need to know about Mary, as much as she was a woman of God, it is wrong to magnify her. We can honor her. We don't worship her. We don't magnify her. Mary, listen, in this text, she is a recipient of grace only. She is not a dispenser of grace. She has no ability to give grace to others any more than you and I do. But she's a recipient of grace. But this just in, if you're alive in Jesus Christ, you are a recipient of grace too. So the angel says, greetings, Mary. Oh, for everyone, the Lord is with you. Let's apply the gospel of Christmas to our lives right now. Are you alive in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, listen, the Lord's saying hi to you too, okay? And he's saying you're favored. You're a child of God, man. You are son or daughter of the king. Uh, you're pretty favored. You're pretty favored and you're pretty blessed, okay? And listen, and last time I checked, the Lord is with you every second of your life. You have been filled by the Holy Spirit of God and he will never leave you or forsake you. So in every case, Christmas is special, I get it. Luke 1 is special. This Annunciation to Mary, it's special. It never happened like this again. But when you apply the truths and the beauty of the gospel, God's plan is that every person would know the favor of God as they belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved by the Lord Jesus Christ as well. That's pretty awesome, okay? The gospel, watch, comes, though, to the needy. Think of what the Annunciation tells us and gives us a picture of the gospel itself. Here's Mary, again, just lowly Mary. But Jesus would go on to say when he was Raised and started his ministry, he would say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
the very idea of the Annunciation gives us a picture of who God works within. Point number one, God's plan is sent. Point number two, we see this, God's plan is now defined. Let's take some courage. It's now defined, take courage. Look at verse 29 now. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying. Notice the text doesn't say she was greatly troubled at the sight. I mean, that must have been shocking. But what really troubled her was what the angel Gabriel said to her. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. That's a strong theme in the Christmas story. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. For you have found favor with God. Notice the humility of Mary here. Notice her response isn't like, well, it took you so long, Gabriel. Of course you chose me. Duh. I've been waiting for you. Like, how come you didn't come sooner? I'm obvious the choice of God. She's not doing it all. Her response is a mixture of fear and wonder and confusion. I mean, who can blame her? Like, kind of, what's going on? Gabriel has been sent from the very presence of God. That is awesome to me. He's in the presence of God. And God's like, go. Gabriel comes down and, and he knows what's happening. It's just, this, is, this is really, really neat to me. And he says, don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. Here's a principle for our lives then. Ready? To know the plan of God is to know the courage of God. Or you can say it this way. With the favor of God conquers the fear of man. Or favor conquers fear. Is there anything more powerful than the favor of God upon your life? For example, if God is for you, yes, then who can be against you? Think about that. You're like, lots of people are against me. My own family's against me. The, my boss at work seems to be against me. they People around me in the community seem to be against me. There's people against me. They're out to get me. But in the end, but in the end, listen, if God is for you, if God is for you eternally and sufficiently and perfectly, and the God Almighty, if God is for you, <coughs> then, then who really can be against you? Some guy? Some punk? Some, some, some wicked person? No, I, I like your chances, man. If God is for you, I, I like your chances. Your chances are perfect. Perfect victory in your favor. Ready, ready, ready? Think of Christmas this year. Like, do yourself a favor. Christmas is God's plan being for you. I mean, like, sit, sit and stare at the tree and think about that or ponder the text and just think about that listen to a christmas carol and think that christmas in its essence is the plan of god stating that if i'm alive in jesus christ that he's for me because he sent his son for me because he loves me that fills me with courage if god is for me well it doesn't matter what you do because in the end i'm with the lord forever Notice the plan of God now detail. Look at verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Huh? And you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. 
And of his kingdom there will be no end. Oh, it's so good. Put yourself in Mary's shoes, okay? Don't be afraid, Mary. The plan of God is here. She's like, what plan? What does this plan look like? Here it is. You will bear a son. His name will be Jesus. Jesus uh, means Jehovah is salvation. This child will be the savior of the world. He will be great, meaning no one will ever be greater, ever, than this child born to you, Mary. A slight tangent, but so on course. John Piper, he said this. He says, a Christian ashamed of Jesus is like a candle ashamed of the sun. The majesty and the greatness of Jesus. He will be called the Son of the Most High, means He is the Son of God. He will receive the throne of His father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. This refers to the promises made by God all those centuries ago. They're all fulfilled in His child, more specifically and accurately, His Son, Jesus the Christ. And then Gabriel says, His kingdom will not end. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. Hey, are you like me when you see the word kingdom now after our Seek First the Kingdom series? And you see the word kingdom, it's like, it kind of pops from the text. Hey, there's his kingdom again. It's awesome. His kingdom will have no end. I mean, you want to be on the right team? Get into God's kingdom. Because his kingdom never ends. The kingdoms of earth, they come and go. They falter, they die. The kingdom of God lasts forever. Christmas is the arrival of his kingdom. Jesus, when his ministry starts, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is the personification of the kingdom of God, his rule, his reign, his glory here on earth. Loved ones, seek first the kingdom, because that's the kingdom that lasts. Don't seek first the earth. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom. That's why Christmas is so awesome. Here's what I know. I know not all of us right now are in the Christmas spirit. I know some of us are lagging behind. And there's lots of grace for that. That's okay. I won't judge you much. Just joking, just joking. No. My heart is also trying to come along, but it's working. Like right now, it's working for me. But there's nothing like a Christ-exalting Christmas carol to help us along the way. Isn't that true? We've had that already today, but let me just, let me just take another lap around the track here to, Get some more people going in the right direction of Christmas. By the way, I'm not talking about Amazon.ca right now, right? I'm not talking about shopping malls and whatever and all that ridiculousness, okay? I'm talking about this. Come thou long expected, come thou long expected, Jesus, right? Born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation. This is sweet. Yeah, yeah. This is what we're praying for right here. Joy of every, see, see, like it's the longing heart. It's the heart longing for him. And if we go to the next verse here. Uh, born thy people to deliver. I say we sing it. Let's sing it together. Ready? Want to do that? Let's do that right now, but like with, with, with reverence and with meaning, okay? And let's sing this, and let's let, the, let's let the joy of Christmas. Holy Spirit, would you even start right now? Would you start right now and let us to sing this and start to feel it because our minds are being renewed 
in what is true. Okay, here, ready? Ready? Born thy people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Oh, you guys are such good singers. Amen. 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 For that. Amen. Amen. Contemplate and meditate on the truth that we're singing. Let it become real to you and to me. Holy Spirit, would you be doing that? Why does these things bring encouragement to us? Because if you're saved in Christ, you realize you're part of God's plan. You realize you're part of God's plan. Raise us to thy glorious throne. Like that's our reality. It brings us courage. It, it's what's coming. It's when you know that you're part of God's plan of salvation, you find great courage at Christmas time. As we do every year, I implore you, because of these truths, loved ones, the next few weeks, just take the time to sing a little louder. Take the time to wake up a little earlier. Do it, maybe just 10 minutes. Set the alarm 10 minutes earlier. Sit a little stiller. Don't rush off. Put the phone away from where you can reach it. Just sit and, and be still and know he's the God of the plan of salvation and redemption through Christmas. Be a little bolder this Christmas. Be a little bolder with the gospel. Forgive a little faster. Put those hurts aside. The spirit of Christmas that we would love. Give a little greater. Don't accumulate more stuff. Give more to the kingdom. Pray a little harder. Worship a little stronger. Love a little better. And when I say, of course, a little and all these things, by God's grace, a lot. Do all these things a lot more. The plan of God brings courage to our lives. Know his plan, love his plan, live his plan. Point number three, God's plan explained now. Be expectant. Look at verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, this is a very fair question, how will this be since I'm a virgin? She's just explaining in total clarity. I've never been with a man, so how in the world am I going to get pregnant? Okay, This isn't a statement of doubt. It's a genuine desire to understand how this is going to be. She's almost like, tell me. Like, I, I believe, but tell me how. Like, I, just, I just can't wait to hear how God's going to do this. And the angel answered her, verse 36 or 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Wow. So Gabriel explains to her, Mary, you're not going to believe this, but you are. This is going to be a miraculous conception. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and you will conceive and a child will begin to be formed in your womb. And it will be none other than the Son of God. It's so interesting. The Holy Spirit conceives again 
in the womb of Mary, and this allows for the Son of God not to be tainted by the sin of man. There's a, a chain broken in the line of Adam. And somehow, some way, in Mary's womb, the Holy Spirit ensures and secures the fact that this child will be like no other child ever born. He will be without sin from the very beginning. He will be perfect. And that allows him, loved ones, this is so important in this miraculous conception because this allows then Jesus to be the sinless Savior for our sins. It allows him to bear the penalty and pay the price of God's demands of perfection on our behalf. All part of God's plan right here at the Annunciation. Awesome. The gospel is awesome. With the plan of God explained, now comes more reason to be expectant. You know, um, just before I move on, I just want to say this. When the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, um, that word overshadowed used in Scripture is used to apply the presence of God in the Holy of Holies in the temple. Mary, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. This is, this is the theology that's always just, if I think about it long enough, it's like that song, Mary, Did You Know? Um, one of my daughters is playing that on repeat right now. To the point I'm like, if I hear that one more time, you know? So it's December 1st. Bless her heart. Okay, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Mary in her womb is containing in some form the epitome of the Holy of Holies. Like she's holding in her womb in some ways, again, you can't fully grasp that, <laughs> that the Holy of Holies, the, 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 the Son of God, the perfect one, the Lord of all creation, the one who allows her heart to beat, her lungs to breathe, is in her womb. <laughs> she must have sat there. I mean, the, 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 the text says in different occasions, she pondered all these things. I bet she did. Well, wow, what's going to happen again? I mean, it's just, again, just loved ones, just like turn off Holly Jolly Christmas for a couple of minutes. Just like, shut down again the shopping spree. Just, 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 just put aside all the distractions of all the parties you want to go to. I'll just first, just put it there for a second. Just and just let it, just let it, let you breathe in the incarnation. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed, you know. And all this like holly jolly Christmas isn't really jolly. Like it can't give you any lasting jolly joy. Jesus can, and Jesus will. He will. This is the glory. Now look at verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Notice this. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now, why is this significant? Because Gabriel says, oh yeah, you know your cousin Elizabeth? You know how like her period has stopped? She's so old. Like she can't have children. It's impossible to have children for her. She's barren. You know that one? She's pregnant. She is. She's six months pregnant. And what man says is impossible, God's like, try me. She's pregnant. And so you, you're also going to be miraculously pregnant, and you're going to go visit your cousin, who is also miraculously pregnant, and the two of you will get together 
which contain the two most important and powerful human beings who have ever lived, John the Baptist and Jesus, the Son of God. And they will see each other in the womb, and John will even leap for joy next week. Lord willing, can't wait. Okay? This is what's going to happen, Mary. Miracles are taking place because God's plan is being executed for the salvation of the world. Awesome! Man, my Christmas spirit meter is going up right now. This is so good. This is, this is what happens. Again, to know his plan when you see. Again, you know, some of you right now, okay, some of you right now, I want you to stare at verse 37. Look at it, okay? This is for you, not just for Mary and Elizabeth, because we serve the same God. Ready? For nothing will be impossible with God. Some of us right now, we are struggling in doubt and discouragement and despair. Jesus comes in right now and he says, man, you don't think I'm bigger than your discouragement? You don't think I'm greater than your situation? You don't think I can look down upon your environment and I can do the impossible? You don't think that I can overcome your weakness and overcome your frustration and overcome your... You don't think that I am who I say I am? Think again, child. Think again. For I am the God of the impossible. And whatever I say happens, happens. And whatever I command to command is, is done. I can do whatever I want and whomever I want, whenever I want, because I am God. And he says, listen, I love you. And I sent my son for you. And I will do the impossible for you. But you got to start believing. you got to start believing. We belong to a limitless God inexhaustible God, omnipotent, omnipresent God. Hey, hey, what miracles are you asking for this Christmas? Every year, man, every year we see the miracle of people being saved from death. Every year. So many. What are you asking for? Do you believe God can do it? Hey, this is why we have a prayer meeting at December 22nd at 5 p.m. No service, but there's a service. And we're going to be praying for God to do miracle after miracle after miracle. Be expectant takes us to our last point. God's plan embraced. Have faith. Look at verse 38, our final verse. And Mary said, I love this, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. That's beautiful. Look at Mary's humility. Look at her submission. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me. Whatever, what you have said may be so. Let it be to me according to your word. Notice her submission, her humility. It's so beautiful. Notice she's saying that she says, like, you're the potter, I'm the clay. Not my will, but your will be done. The inference here, you know, Mary, she's obviously so filled with faith right now, and she's saying this, and she's like, you know, I know there's going to be cost. I know there's going to be sacrifice. I know it's going to hurt, but I'm a servant of the Lord, and let it be done according to your word. This is what it means to embrace God's plan, especially at this time of Christmas. I want to throw a few things up here just to end this sermon with right here, okay? Embracing God's plan by faith. Ready here? This is from, from, from our story. This is for us to apply to our lives right now. This is what Mary was doing right here. She was embracing the unknown. As much as she was told it was going to happen, man, the details were to come. 
You embrace God's plan for you and for your life. We, 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 we embrace by faith what we cannot see. We know how this ends. But from here until then, we embrace by faith. We embrace our weakness. Mary's a peasant girl from a lowly town. She's got nothing in the world's eyes. And she's like, that's okay. I trust, let, let it be to me according to your word. We, we embrace the cost. Who, who here right now, you, you need to embrace the cost. Because we're embracing God's plan by faith. He never promises there won't be cost. He promises there will be cost. We need to embrace God's word. That's what Mary does, by faith. To see what God says and to trust him above all. And at the end, we embrace his will, not our own. Mary says, essentially she's saying, your will be done. Whatever you say, Lord, whatever you say. Who here right now, in light of the Christmas plan of God, the reality of the incarnation leading to the crucifixion, the resurrection, and one day soon, the return of Jesus Christ, the second advent, and where we are looking to be glorified in his state, forever, forever healed, forever without sin, forever defeating darkness and Satan, embracing his will by faith and to say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I need you. God, give us the faith to embrace your plan, not our own, and to do this by faith.